Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the TheMediaByUs.com. Joining me today is the Chris we always miss. It's Chris. <laughs> we got uh, TJ Boombaye. TJ Boombaye. Hello. <laughs> and uh, got myself a Brent. Howdy. My name is David, and man, are you guys in for a treat. <laughs> it's our angel. We are anyway. Wait, we guys or the listeners? Everybody. Dear sweet Brent. <laughs> um... Now that we've been doing this for more than a year, we can say it's an annual. Uh, That's true. We're going to do who should win. Um, we'll do a chat later on in the week, I believe, with what we think is going to win. But more fun for us is what we think deserves to win. Yelling at each other and berating us. Yeah. So as a quartet, we kind of debate and at least need to come to a consensus vote. Uh, something that wins the plurality between the four of us. So essentially, two votes or more would be the, the two, two or three, depending on sure, maybe four. No, so do we always four? We yeah. can cut. I'm saying out. it could be it could be forced to three if it could be two could be good in some scenarios. Yeah, if we have two one one, right? But sometimes you might need three if it's two two. Yeah, sure. and we remember last year we had the like you have to actually like call your vote a protest vote if you actually have a problem with the. <laughs> we had one last year, I think. Yeah, we registered Chris's yeah. protest vote for for one of the categories. I forget what it was. Probably against La La Land somewhere. <laughs> no, La La Land didn't do that well. Y'all just thought I was going to pick La La Land for everything. <laughs> we really did. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do we want to, on each category, just do our initial sort of uh, initial That's what vote. we did last year. We do an initial vote, and then we talk. And if we all vote the same way, then we can all just talk about why it was our initial vote and move on. Sure. And we're going to go from uh, smallest category up into the, the big guns. That's the least important? <laughs> Not least important. Oh, I do want to clear up one award, though. Something that we've talked about on the Facebook post that TJ and I noticed recently since we're about to talk about shorts. At the end of three of the shorts... They had the clip of the creators of the live-action short hearing themselves get nominated and reacting to it, which makes Andy Serkis <laughs> the winner of the Appears in the Most Academy Award-nominated movies this year really? at five. five. <laughs> he was in three of the three of the live-action shorts. Reading out the names. <laughs> that's great. Wow, that's that's not going to be topped. <laughs> Alright, uh, without further ado, we're going to start off with our first category, and we're going to go Best Documentary Short. Uh, for these, I'm going to run through the categories, and or run through the nominees, and we'll do kind of an initial vote and go from there. But the nominees are, for Best Documentary Short, we have uh, Edith and Eddie, Heroin, uh, Heaven is a Traffic Jam on the 405, Knife Skills, and Traffic Stop. So I'm gonna, I may... Uh, I have the least exposure to these shorts, so I may go last or not at all, if you guys want to take it off first. Well, everybody votes. I have as little or or uh, equal to you. I've seen one of the shorts. But I did love it, and I'm happy to vote for it. Chris, Chris and I have seen all five, <laughs> and it's going to be a recurring theme. <laughs> so let's let's actually, I, I'd say let's let me and David start, yeah. and then you can tell us why you, if we pick the right one... <laughs> Okay, um, and I think TJ and I largely agree about this category. David? Okay, I'm just going to go, I have seen zero of these, uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm going to go from uh, a place of ignorance and just hearing you guys talk about them. Uh, one was most interesting for me for was uh, Heaven is a Traffic Jam on the 405. We'll just okay. get my vote from TJ talking about it and you guys talking about it and seeing some of the paper mache art after the fact. Nice. It's pretty interesting. I will vote for 
knife skills because I was just completely delighted by that movie. It made me happy. It gave me inspiration for what they're doing, and uh, it felt to me like it was it was worthy in a vacuum. I, I don't know that it's better than the other four, but I, it is a movie I would be happy to see awarded with an Oscar. Now the adults. Uh, yeah, um, Knife Skills was great. Uh, but this is my number two. I ended up going uh, heroin here. Um, for oddly a lot of the same reasons, though. It was uplifting and it was delightful. Um, and how these three women in Huntington, Huntington, Virginia, or Huntington, West Virginia, are dealing with a, a pandemic there of opioid ODs. Really, really nice documentary. One of them is a, uh, like a ministry, a street ministry woman who rides around and like gives food and help to heroin addicted prostitutes one is a fire chief there who is big and like big proponent of Narcan and using that mm-hmm. to counter ODs and then there's a judge who has a, runs a drug court and she seemed to really like what she was doing and she did, did a really good job but yeah my, my vote initially is for heroin yeah um, and that's where I'm split is between knife skills and heroin mm-hmm. I think, I think they, they both do a really good job of Taking a subject, you know, uh, prisoner reentry and heroin addiction, and lots of times in documentary short, I feel like you get like, here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem. Nothing's being done about it. Mm-hmm. But with these two, it's they've recognized the problem and they're filming to you know lend to borrow from heroin. They're they're filming the heroes, the people who like we've got an idea. It's wild. Let's do it. And, you know, in heroin, it's the drug court. It's the hyper-religious lady, you know, driving around. Thought she was just going to put, like, prayer verses in paper bags with sandwiches. But she ends up, like, becoming friends and bailing them out of jail when they get arrested. Finding them a place to stay in shelters and stuff. Getting them into rehab places, like, states away. Yeah. So they're not around, like, their pimps or whatever. Were, were you saying that, like, you like the types of documentaries that you would prefer to show the inspiration of those taking action rather than just a call to action? Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I agree. And, and I was just curious. That, that's personal because I, I also think it's very important. I remember one year, my first year, it went Oscar crazy. There was the forty-minute-long Chinese documentary about this one village who just kept getting dumped on with like toxic waste from like a giant corporation. Yeah, and it was just about their like fight and how like how futile it is. And like that that kind of documentary is also very important and mm-hmm. very special because you're calling attention to a problem that is underrepresented and. But if you take something like knife skills or heroin, we've all watched documentaries where you watch it and they're like, here's this big problem. And it's like, yeah, we fucking know. Like, right. Like, I mean, not to talk shit about other nominees, just my, my vote for others, but like traffic stop is like that. Where right. it's like, we understand police brutality is a thing that unfairly targets African Americans in the U.S. and it sucks. But not why was the documentary made, because it was obviously trauma for this one person, mm-hmm. but here we have two total packages of knife skills and heroin. Um, I think yeah, I, I totally agree with traffic stop. Heaven, and then the other two, I feel like are somewhere in the middle where it's so anecdotal. Yep, so focused. Uh, Ethan Eddie's great. Yeah, Doc Short. Right. Um, well, yeah, that's like non ones that aren't as but much. It, it about is about a problem about for one person and one person only. Yeah, yeah the, the, the human interest doc. Right. right. Which uh, are also great. Yeah, it interesting. Was, our favorite yeah. last year was the Walt Disney one. Right. Um, oh, but yeah. but I think I do go with knife skills on this one. Um, I just really like knife skills. Um, it's 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 a it's a service person's 
you know, it's, it, 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 it really resonates. It's, and they're one A, one B for me. I mean, it's very uh, yeah. I I immediately wrote down two before yeah. he started the category, and if it went to either one, I'd be happy. One yeah, one quality I liked about it is that it shows is that it doesn't just limit it to the happy stories. Like also, it it focuses too on the people who fall out of the program and and who it doesn't work out for, but it frames it in a way where it's not like the end for them. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. And it's, and it's, it's everyone in the restaurant except for the executive chef who trains them who is going to leave at some point. Like, it's front of house. It's the management. It's the servers. It's the cooks. It's, it's everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you did see a lot of joy there when they would, like, nail something. Oh, yeah. That was really nice. Uh, the graduation was like... I love the old, like, guy who doesn't have shit to do, and they're just like, you can pour wine. Yeah. And then they were like, make sure he fucking pours it right. Yeah, they're like, he's an addict. Like, like, like he's, he's yeah. an addict and alcoholic. Like, watch him. Right. And they're like, this guy rocks. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's an awesome bartender. He stands there and pours wine. Yeah. Loves when, it. When they have all the family come in for the graduation ceremony. Yeah. It's just so awesome. Yeah. It's so sweet. Um, There's a really good scene of heroin for the two that hadn't seen it, um, where the... The she's like head of a firehouse. She gets promoted in in movie to police chief of Huntington, West Virginia. Fire chief, yeah, fire chief, yeah. Sorry, uh, first female fire chief there, and uh, she's talking to this guy who they go and live like pretty much like a tent city down by a river. And he's a former heroin addict, uh, and she's like, "Yeah, last year we had seventy ODs. This year it's going to be higher. It's going to be like above 80. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, "Oh, this is the first year where I'm not part of that number." You just realized. And it's just like, oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. And then she's like crying at her like press junket where she's getting promoted to fire chief. And like, thanks this guy. She's like, you did more for me than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's just like tatted up, rough looking. Everyone's wearing suits and he's in there with like a, like an affliction tee and like yeah. ripped <laughs> jeans. Yeah. But he's still like, you know, there. But yeah, he meets at the parking lot every Saturday and Sunday morning at eight with whoever wants to come help him and they go give a bunch of food to all these addicts living down by the river. It was just very uh, uplifting. That yeah. sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You hear that a doc short is about heroin addiction and overdoses in Huntington, West Virginia, which is like the most affected city by it somehow. Um, and you're like, oh, this is going to be a real bummer. And it's not. No. Yeah. So are we closing it out at 2 1? Yeah. That's it. It gets the uh, plurality there. But it sounds like the group is completely fine if heroin takes on the. Uh, the little gold man. Yeah, I would love it for either one of those two to win. And I wouldn't be upset if Edith and Eddie did, honestly. Yeah, I wouldn't be upset if Edith and Eddie did. I mean, the only, the only two that, that just didn't really jive with me were Traffic Stop and Heaven. Um, Traffic Stop was, was bad, I thought. <laughs> I, I hate doing that with Oscar nominated movies. I just didn't enjoy that at all. I didn't know what it was trying to get across. Um, and I feel like with a doc, that's kind of should be your base. Mm-hmm. Um, Heaven and Traffic Jam was just a little story about an awesome artist and you know, she may be the most impressive person I saw working on this list, but the movie just didn't quite hit it hit home for me. Okay, cool. so Knife Skills takes it, and we're on to our next category. Cool. Uh, next category I'm going to do is uh, Best Animated Short. Um, nominees here are going to be Dear Basketball, Garden Party, Lou, Negative Space, and Revolting Rhymes. So this one I've only seen two. What, what have you seen? I've seen, I've seen three, and I think they've seen all. I've seen yep. uh, Lou, and I've seen Revolting Rhymes. 
I've seen those two as well. Uh, I've, I can add Dear Basketball to the list. Sure. Between the two, it's a little tough. Uh, I think my heart's with Revolting Rhymes a little bit, but I think I'm going to go Lou. Um, just because I think it's it's impressive and it still has it's uh, got the Pixar heart to it. And, it, uh, man, they can anthropomorphize anything. I think this was the biggest challenge humanly possible for that. <laughs> nothing, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Nothing and everything. It collects yeah, and junk. junk. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go Lou. Uh, I'm voting Revolting Rhymes. Uh, I was just... I found it just again delightful. Sometimes I just want I just want to be happy when I watch things, and uh, it was uh, the 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 love the like the love between Snow White and uh, Riding Hood, Robin yeah. Hood, yeah, <coughs> um, no, not Robin Hood, Riding Hood, Little yes. Red Robin Hood, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little Red. Yo, yo. Technically, I thought it was a very touching story, uh, an interesting way to tell that. Yeah, I'm such I'm such a sucker for that. I've read a bunch of the comic series Fables, um, mm-hmm. where it's all about like uh, you know fairy tales are real and they're living in New York and they have to deal with humans, but humans are oblivious to them. And I love that like mm-hmm. both like modern retellings of classic fairy tales and. Uh, the merging of them mm-hmm. because they are more interconnected than are regurgitated to children um, mm-hmm. in that like people are related or they like meet each other like weirder things or they're the same character throughout multiple stories but one is more, most famous um, but Lou is just so good uh, just the, the way that they animate just junk uh, is impressive like to <clears throat> to keep together a form that is made up of so many individual parts you know, it's like what people talk about with like animating hair. Like they have to individually animate each of those in relation to everything else mm-hmm. with the 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 Lou creature. And I also just am just a little heartwarming story from them. Yeah, you kind of after a while you see where it's going, but it's still it still delivers. I think in the end. Yeah. Like there's there's a natural progression that you can see going on, but it's it's fun to get to the end of it anyway. I weirdly had Dear Basketball ahead of Lou also, mm-hmm. just because. Uh, in spite of all the Kobe-ness of it. But it was just like... I really liked the animation. I thought the animation in your basketball was really cool. Did you actually vote for Lou? Yeah, I'm voting for Lou. Cool. Um, I, Dear, Dear Basketball would be the one that I would be upset if it won. I can see that. Because it's it's a poem being read, and I don't think the animation's that good. Until they start blending styles. Which is 60% of the way through a four-minute short. Yeah. Um, maybe I just like the shortness of it. <laughs> well, I mean, Lou, Lou the, the, short the brevity. But, uh, yeah, these are all short, except for Revolting Rounds, really. Yeah, but... Um, mm, all under ten minutes. Yeah, no, despite me, not, I wasn't like in love with Lou, but I, after watching Lou, I was like, I kind of wish this were, like, I don't know, in development to be a full-length Pixar movie. I think it would, I think it would be fun. Mm-hmm. It's like a... A, a journey towards Lou's ultimate sacrifice, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, I had a, a clear top three, and Revolting Rhymes, Lou, and Negative Space. Um, Negative Space is great. If y'all haven't seen anything of it, it's a uh, stop. I've, I've, seen the, I've seen the trailer. It looks really very, uh, looks really cool. It's stop motion. It's pretty much a kid remembering his dad, like remembering how his dad told him how to pack, and like so it breaks down, like you know. You want to minimize your negative space, pretty much. Um, but 
Yeah, one just tugged at my heartstrings more than the rest of them, and I fucking loved it. And I hate that it's, I don't hate, but goddamn Pixar. They're yeah. really fucking good at their job. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was Lou. It was pretty hard, Lou. Um, to make me feel things in six minutes is pretty damn impressive. Mm-hmm. And again, man, Pixar just loves picking these, and I mean, that's why they're so good, is that they're always like, we're not going to do it if it's not important. Right. And even with their shorts, it's like, I don't know if sharing is something that deserves a 90-minute movie, but deserves a six-minute movie. Especially because it's it's sharing, and it's understanding that, like, bullies come from emotion, like, like, troubled emotions. Yeah. It's about empathy, too. Yeah. Yeah. About having to give all these things back, and from like the kid terrorizing, and I don't know, just I liked it. I took it more as as like it takes Lou wants to bring happiness back to a lot of these kids, mm-hmm. and even if it means taking a part of him away to do so. Yeah, okay. and that's uh, great. Like, it's got all these different things. <laughs> yeah, six minutes. Like I said, I would love to watch the two-hour version of that. Yeah. Very uh, giving tree. Yeah. Yeah. And and j- yeah. just to quickly mention, because we intentionally didn't talk about shorts till today, uh, Garden Party is about a bunch of frogs having fun, and then there's a dead body. Yeah, Garden Party's maybe the best animated yeah. out of the five, but there's not much of a story there. It, it is just yeah. a, bu- a bunch of frogs like jumping up and down all over uh, a mansion, and then that's it. Hmm. And then at the end, there's a dead body, and it's real gross looking. Yeah. <laughs> the one I'm most interesting, interested to watch is Negative Space now. Just hearing you guys talk about it and hearing like other pundits and stuff talk about it, it looks really cool. Yeah, it was it was good. Well, we have uh, cast our vote for Lou, and uh, my vote is not a protest vote. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I'm fine. All right, next category we have is best live action short. Um, the nominees here are going to be uh, DeKalb Elementary, uh, The Eleven O'Clock, uh, My Nephew Emmett. The Silent Child and Watu Wote colon all of us. Yeah, I can uh, run down like plot synopsis real quick, and then we can we can go through it since uh, David and Brent haven't seen any of these, right? And uh, most of you haven't because there's nowhere to watch them unless you go to a theater, which Chris and I did yesterday. Yeah, you'll be able to catch them probably on Amazon before the Oscars. February. Yeah, they'll be out by the time you're hearing this. Yes, yeah. you can go on Amazon and rent them for five bucks, but um. Yeah, so My Nephew Emmett is uh, based on a true story. Um, Oprah actually talked about this kid at the Golden Globes when she received her big award. Um, But it's about a kid who whistles at a white woman in 1950s Mississippi and white people come, drag him out of the house and kill him, pretty much. And it's... Emmett Till, right? Yeah, Emmett Till. Talked uh, about from the point of view of, from his uncle who he was living with at the time. Um, that's my nephew Emmett Watu Wote also based on actual events uh, a bus traveling from Nairobi to Somalia um, had a their police escort breakdown uh, so they didn't have a police escort they were uh, attacked pretty much by Al-Shabaab terrorists and uh, pretty much were trying to get all the Muslim people on the bus to tell them who the Christians were so they could execute them all and the Muslims wouldn't wouldn't sell out the Christian people um so there's that. The Cabin Elementary is also based on fact. <laughs> yeah, ish. Based yeah. on fact. Uh, it's about a almost school shooting that happened down the road from us here in the Cab. Um, pretty much a receptionist at an elementary school talks down a severely mentally handicapped white guy from shooting up an elementary school. Uh, the Silent Child is about 
teacher teaching ASL to a little girl and her shitty family. And the 11 o'clock is the Saturday Night Live skit. <coughs> Pretty much. It's Australian SNL. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the most clever plot. It's a psychiatrist shows up for work, asks who his 11 o'clock appointment is to his secretary, who's a temp for the day. And the temp secretary says, oh, let me check. Oh, you've got a patient who's coming in with delusions. They think they're a psychiatrist. <laughs> and so it's that play between the two people both acting yeah. like the psychiatrist. I saw the trailer. He shows up with a briefcase <clears throat> thinking he's about to do the psychiatrist's <laughs> therapy. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. And really fucking funny. The wordplay is great. Yeah. They do a word association game. <laughs> funny. <laughs> they're both doing it. Yeah, they're both running word associations. So one's like, apples... Woman, fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's really good. There were there were some that were great, some that weren't so great, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But uh, TJ, what's your vote? My vote right now is the Silent Child. I thought it was a beautiful movie. Um, really well acted by the by the little girl mm-hmm. and the teacher and uh, the family. Just, I just wanted to strangle all of them. Um, they, they essentially it's the mom that wants to uh, she essentially has this it's not a bastard because it's hers she cheated on her husband has this girl they kind of treat her like shit she's deaf they want her to go to speech therapy and she can't talk she can't hear at all um, they didn't find out she was deaf till she was what three yeah which is seems crazy to me um, but uh, they have a ASL teacher come teacher sign language and they like hit it off and they're super sweet together and Great teacher, the student, the little girl loves her, and then they decide to pull her out essentially and have her just go to school and have like speech therapy. Mm-hmm. It's really sad, but it's really good. I thought. Chris, your vote? Um, it's tough. None of these are bad, um, of course, but it's so so. It's hard to cross any of them off. Uh, I think I have to go with the Cab Elementary. It, it has my it was my most emotional moment, uh, which is why it was kind of unfortunate that it was the first one that we saw. Um, it's, you know, watch these movies, skip the next 30 seconds if you don't want to hear it, but, you know, it's about a failed school shooting, and the part that just, like, fucking crushed me is, you know, she, she talks him down, and she, like, basically negotiates his surrender, and then as soon as he lays down on the ground, she, like, sits in a chair, and she's like... I know I don't know you, but I want you to know I love you and I'm proud of you. Like, it was just really touching. Yeah. So, it's a great way to deal with those kind of people, too. Like, yeah. not to derail the podcast too much, but, like, that's, like, you could be proud of somebody for doing something horrible and then deciding at the last minute to not do it. Like, that's, that was, like, I, I felt like she meant it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so proud of you for putting that gun down. That was really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was great. It shot really well, uh, beginning and end with very stationary shots where like people would move off screen, you wouldn't really see what was happening, and they would come back. Um, yeah, the cab was good. I had it at three behind eleven o'clock. Honestly, I didn't know what to do with eleven o'clock. Yeah, it's it, it, it's kind of it's kind of the the odd man out for being yeah like a straight up comedy. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know what to do with our uh, the, the vote here. <laughs> the the ignorant votes <laughs> from us two. This this mimics what the, what happens with the actual academy with shorts is a couple people are passionate and they watch it, <laughs> and then people who haven't seen them go, 
Huh, all right. Well, I'll make it maybe easier for you, Brent. I'm going to go local pride and go to Elementary. <laughs> I mean, before the conversation started, I was hoping that someone would go to Elementary just because <clears throat> it was the one that was about the thing that I knew about, like, before. <laughs> can, can, I, can I throw a spanner in the works? DeKalb Elementary is not based on the almost shooting here. It is based on a number of shootings, but isn't specifically about the one that's right around the corner. Okay. Um, and likewise, the shooting that was going to happen here, the motive was to kill kids. This DeKalb Elementary is about a suicide by cop attempt. Uh, he, like... You know, the, sh- the shooter makes sure that, like, you can tell everyone who are behind the police officers to evacuate their houses. Like, he just wants to shoot cops. Yeah. Well, full disclosure, I had it as my top vote before we started. I ranked. Somehow I ranked these <laughs> without seeing any of them. Yeah, I, I want to vote for it just because I want to I hear the, uh, I want to hear some presenter call it DeKalb. Elementary. <laughs> I had a very interesting conversation after the movie last night with Cassandra about if local people pronounce where they are in the incorrectly, and everybody else pronounces it correctly, who's wrong? <laughs> oh, because there's like a decap. Because it's not decap, but we call it decap. Yeah. We live here, so are we right? <laughs> we it's just like the Georgia City C A I R O Cairo. Cairo. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like who's right? The people who are saying they're right, or the dumb folks who well, live here? We yeah. call it decap. <laughs> The called. Alright, well, I think we have a winner there, unless there's any further no. discussion. I really like the Silent Child, and I think that Maisie Sly is getting a lot of love and deserves it. She's the child. Mm-hmm. Um, titular. The, the titular Silent Child. Um, also, a heartbreaking moment at the end of that. Um, yeah, it was rough. Yeah. I was going to say, you two smart ones are going to have to work it out, though, or else you're going to have to call in <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the DeKalb. ignorance over here. No, I, I had, like, stuttered breathing into Cabin Elementary. Like, it's really, really effective. Yeah, it was good. Okay. So with that done, we close out the shorts, and we're going to go into some kind of specialized movie categories. Some longs. Yeah, some longs. Some so, long, long longs. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Best Documentary. Uh, nominees here are uh, Abacus, Too Small to Jail, that was all one movie. Uh, Faces Places, Icarus, Last Man in Aleppo, and Strong Island. So now I have less ignorance. I've seen all of these. Ish. Uh, yeah, I've seen all of them too. Yep. Well, I figured. It's a lot more fun <laughs> this year. <laughs> it's about the same this year for me. I've seen three of these. Uh. Why don't you lead the charge then, Brent? Okay, well, my vote... Uh, I, I did not see Abacus, and I did not see Last Men in Aleppo. So... <laughs> the two that are, like, most available. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the two that seemed like they were going to be most sad to me. So, uh, well, I didn't... Because I didn't know what Strong Island was. Yeah. But, uh... No, I've, uh... I, I think of the three... Uh, there are two that I like a whole lot more, um, but I'm, I'm voting for Faces Places initially, just because it is, uh, I don't know, very unique. I know it's a very artsy-fartsy French film, but uh, I don't know. I found it endearing. And the others just did nothing quite hit me real hard this year. 
wing the others I, I saw. David? Um, yeah, up until I saw the very last one, I was waiting for one to run away with this. And uh, not that it was a weak year, but there wasn't a clear winner for me. Um, I'd probably go... Yeah, I'm definitely between two. I'm between Icarus and Faces Places. Those are the clear... They kind of separated. Those were the two for me, too. Yeah, from what I've seen, I'd probably go Faces Places also. Um, It's the most uh, apple in the bunch of oranges here, which kind of makes it stand out a lot. And I think it's just uh, really fun French cinema being just as French cinema as possible. Yeah. And uh, just with some genuine emotions, too. I love the scene when we were talking about the uh, the coal miner's daughter resisting uh, moving out so they can tear down her building and seeing the effect of art has on her, like the tangible thing. I just was really uh, taken by it. The- and it's also... Got some nice whimsy to it as well. Yeah, and that's the part I like most about the movie is is seeing the reaction of these people when they are turned into art. And oh yeah, I love the farmer guy. Yeah, you're gonna be the biggest celebrity now in your like town of 150 people. He's like already in. Yep. <laughs> He's turned, yeah, that was so that was so endearing. Yeah. So, Chris, <clears throat> um, I like faces places. It felt like performance to me. Mm-hmm. It felt like it, it felt felt like a movie. Felt like a movie. It did not feel like a documentary. It was two people who very much knew what they were doing. The voiceover work was so intentional. How they would bicker back and forth in the voiceover, and then it would they cut to them like sitting with their backs to us because apparently that's what we got to see all movie. Mm-hmm. And they would be bickering there, and then they would argue about what they were arguing about over top. And it didn't none of it felt like any of this is real except for the parts where they're talking to people in the villages which is also why I made made it my like that part was my favorite as well because mm-hmm. it was to me finally a documentary mm-hmm. um, but this is I think it's just pure fiction um, I think I think part of that approach is on purpose though the approach to that's that, not a that good stuff documentary is, uh, well alright yeah no <laughs> I mean it doesn't matter if they did it on purpose or not that was yeah, it was. That's well. That's not what yeah, I would yeah, argue it anyway. You, you, sorry, I, 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 yeah, I did yeah. cut you off. I think it's about the uh, you know they're both photographers and they're both very like uh, postmodernist. Mm-hmm. I think they're talking about we've seen documentaries before that can nominate here that are about kind of the artifice of it. Exit through the exit through the gift shop was one of my favorite documentaries, and it is pure fiction. Right. It is like crafted to be that way. I think that there's a place for that is all that I'm saying. Yeah. But I understand if it hits you a little tinny. I can see that. Yeah. I can also yeah, I can definitely see that too. But I, I agree about like Exit Through the Gift Shop was one of my favorite docs of the last ten years too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is a complete fabrication. There's right. n- there's nothing real that happens there except for all the people who have to deal with Mr. Brainwash. Mr. Brainwash. Mr. Brainwash. <laughs> yeah, and again though, I think Exit Through the Gift Shop was one of my favorite movies that year too. I love Faces Places as well. I don't feel like either one of them are docs. Sure. You can call it whatever you want, but I mean... I think it would have been more fun if this ended up in foreign language for me. Yep. But maybe sure. we'll spoil that category later. Um, right. I, uh... And I did like the, the the other aspect of Faces Places that I liked is just the that a good bit of it is just about... I, I don't know, those little moments when, when Agnes Varda, who is like 88 years old I think when they filmed this and she's just talking about like just like I, I want to take pictures of people I meet because I may not remember them and I may not like 
and every new person I meet might be the last person I meet. So, mm-hmm. and and so, I don't know. There was that added element of just this filmmaker winding down her life, so to speak. And and I don't know. I found that touching. Yeah, and yeah. that that felt real to me. Uh, yeah, and I, and I think that that is real. I think that that behind the curtain of any documentary, there's certainly some scripting that happens. Sure. sure. Yeah. This felt like almost all of it packaged to the point where they would do some live action things do some documentary you know some reaction shots from people intermingled with staged scenes and sometimes it was very difficult to tell what was staged and what wasn't Mm -hmm. and not that that should you know yank it completely out of documentary short or documentary but it makes it not my favorite of the Stylistically, yeah, yeah. Um, very rarely we get to talk about the style of a documentary, and we normally focus on like the subject of it. Mm-hmm. I saw your shirt. Oh, for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm repping the the disaster artist today. This. Um, so what is what did you like? What's your vote? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> my my favorite was Icarus. Yeah. Uh, I, I I had fun with that from start to finish. It was a wild ride. And like I, I knew what was the ultimate conclusion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a little bit of a stunner this year with the with the OAR uh, still competing and still testing positive for drugs at events. Yeah, um, surprising nobody. Right. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was a, it was a crazy documentary, and it was you know also same criticism I have with Faces Places. You know, it's this guy set out with a goal. And Gregory is performing every time he's on camera, uh, but it, it was just really fun. Yeah, we kind of had a group discussion a couple podcasts ago about it, but uh, I love the the choice they make in uh, just uh, changing the the structure and the aesthetics of the documentary just kind of midway through. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really affecting uh, turn for the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of see it coming, but I think they do a really great job of like. Now it's it's a slick documentary. It's not just like this one person's uh, story to kind of spoil a little bit. It's clearly a one B for me. If Faces Places is a one A, um, my vote is for Strong Island. I know it's very unpopular in this group, but I think it uh, honestly blew everything else out of the water as far as me checking my documentary boxes goes. Hmm. I've talked about it at length on the podcast before. Well, I think it's good. I think the the order of the way the events are are displayed for you is really good. Um, and still don't really understand a lot of the pushback. Not from y'all, but from others. Uh, I don't even know what the what pushback is there. I mean, that's not good. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't. I mean, I get why y'all are saying it's not good. I don't agree, but. Be uh, generally not seen as one that's as good as a few of these. Hmm. Yeah, and it's all comparative. Not that it's not good, but right. it's probably it's probably my least favorite. Yeah, and I mean it's it's definitely the boldest. We talked about like structure again, the boldest choice and how to tell that story. I think of all these documentaries, I just did, I wish wasn't completely there. I don't know. Me. I think it's more bold to. Fictionalize a lot of what you're doing, which is what Faces Places and Acres did, you know. 
Like, it's a more bold move if you're like, I'm going to make a documentary and I'm going to lie for a lot of it. That That is a more bold move, I feel like, than just telling the story, kind of. But, I mean, I don't, I don't hate those movies at all. They were, they were the top three for me, and they were good. But I just thought Strike Island did a, a better job of, you know, documentizing the thing that happened. And not like, we'll, you know, let's throw a bunch of glitter on this event, and then it'll be like a cool movie. Mm-hmm. Is what I feel like the other two did. Mm-hmm. So I think it does what you were talking about, a documentary short, where it's just this one person's story rather than an overarching story. Yeah, and I've said before that I like that, too. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the overarching story of Icarus isn't, like, like what is it? It's not anything, right? It's kind of two documentary shorts in one. It's a guy who set out to make a documentary, and he fucked up, and he couldn't make that, and then he filmed this other awesome thing. Yeah. Like, it's not, you know, he made that decision to show them both at the same time, but it's not, there's there's not really an overarching story there. The story goes from him to this other guy. Yeah, and the, it's, it's, the, it's the connecting thread that causes the twist, which is, I think, what most people find the most interesting about Icarus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and to say just, just something brief about the other docs, I, I don't think anyone here was a huge fan of Abacus. Um, David liked it a good bit, I think. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked it too, but yeah. like, I, it's it's in my, my bottom tier. Yeah. Um, and uh, Last Man in Aleppo, I think this movie like loses steam for recency bias. Yeah. You know, I like White Helmets was so good, and it was it was my clear pick for Doc Short last year. Right. Um, and it's so so emotional. And Last Man in Aleppo is is it's the same movie, different teams. Um, you know, it just instead follows one guy instead of the whole group of White Helmets. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, but it, it, it was it was near the bottom of the pack for me. For this vote, I actually have a suggestion. I think that despite it being a two-one-one, I think that uh, I kind of propose that we we cast our collective vote for Icarus because I feel like it's the one that we all have very very near the top. And I'm not or, changing mine. I was going to protest for Strong Island, so y'all can do whatever you decide. <laughs> Um, but see, you know, like I think for the reason that, that like Chris had some, some some valid, even if I don't agree with them per se, he had some very valid criticisms of Faces Places, and um, we d- I don't have those criticisms of Icarus. Like Icarus is just sort of a, it's not a one B for me. It's a two, but it's also a two that I very very much like. <clears throat> Yeah, I'd agree. It feels weird Faces Places taking this because it is Why? clearly at the bottom for half of the people here. I know. It was my number two. Uh, yeah, it's my three. Yeah. I don't care uh, if Faces Places wins. I don't care if, if any movie wins any of these categories. <laughs> I just want to be heard. I have a voice. Yeah. I, I, I like talking to the silent child. <laughs> right. I mean, she's just not a good one. <laughs> okay, well, in that case, Faces Places wins. <laughs> yeah. Agnes with the win. <laughs> Okay, go also, I really, protest vote. I'm writing down strong out. I really would love <laughs> to see little, uh, little Agnes Varda with her monk hat hair um, <laughs> get up and give an acceptance speech at the Oscars. That would be. I, I would love to see the documentary that was made about when they made that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. Next year's documentary winner. <laughs> 
faces, places, faces, places. <laughs> faces, places, thesis. <laughs> Alright. Uh, next one, next category we're going to do is best animated long version. Uh, we have, uh, going alphabetically, the breadwinner, the boss baby, Coco, <laughs> Ferdinand, and Loving Vincent. Um, I want to say, I feel like Breadwinner could win a lot of years. Uh, the Oscar, not our thing. Yeah. Um, and our thing, too, though, honestly. But, I mean, I'll go ahead and just get the ball rolling here that I think Coco is the superb movie here. That's where my vote lands. Again, this is a category of ignorance for me. I saw Coco and Boss Baby, but I would go ahead and rank Breadwinner ahead of Boss Baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm voting Coco. Uh, and I feel okay with that vote too. It was a, it, it was a movie that moved me, mm-hmm. and Boss Baby not the worst nominee in this category, by the way, yeah. by a long shot. Is it Ferdinand? Yes. Okay. Boss Baby's number three. I was I was not yeah, going to say, but yeah, I, I can see that. I would not have said the same thing for Ferdinand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I caught Ferdinand late, and if I would have not seen it, I would have been fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is a troubled movie. Uh, I'm. I'm Clear vote for Coco also. Nice. So Coco takes it already. I'm going to just throw a bone to... I think Coco's <laughs> probably my favorite, but I'm going to do a vote for Breadwinner here. I just think it's really impressive. I saw it... Uh, this is really good. A couple days ago, it was super moving, and uh, you talked about it, but I love the mix of animation styles. Yeah. And uh, not just to mix it to have fun, but it definitely... There's a purpose for why the... The animation switches, and then later on, they ratchet up the tension by cutting between the two, and it's really effective. Yeah, and it's a really, uh, really honest documentary too. It does not shy away from some some rough truths in there. Yeah, TJ and I both liked it. Both liked the different animation styles, but I liked the parable more. He liked the main more. Like, it's just yeah. it's it's just great. I want this studio to win a best animated feature. And I'm I'm conflicted because I either want them to do it doing what they do, which is these like hand painted classic animation style, mm-hmm. uh, or I want them to change completely so that they can win. Uh, but it would be you know at the expense of what they've done because yeah. they did Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea. Song of the Sea, yeah. Uh, and both of those are great. Yeah, they're a cartoon saloon, Irish studio. Same with like Studio Leica. It's like I get it, Disney, uh, Pixar, Universal. They're like huge money. But these like smaller studios, they put out such amazing idiosyncratic work. They just like, you know, it's being on a basketball team in the '90s with Jordan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're great, but you're not gonna win. <laughs> All right, going on to the next category then. Uh, unless you guys had more to say about we talked about Coco, uh, but, yeah. and unless TJ and I are gonna sit here and just dunk on Ferdinand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so for foreign language, we have... uh, This is the least available category, by the way. Dead to me. We have um, A Fantastic Woman from Chile. We have uh, Loveless from Russia. The Insult, I believe, from uh, Lebanon. Yep, that sounds right. Yeah. um, On Body and Soul from Hungary. And The Square from Sweden. I've seen one of these movies. David, yeah. you've or you seen two? I've only seen one. I've, no. I've uh, I didn't finish the second one. Yeah, um. <laughs> I don't want to see. I don't want our ignorant votes to swing it. I guess you guys have seen two. Yeah, yeah. So 
my initial <laughs> preference is to abstain because I've seen one movie and while it was fascinating, it was also for me not good enough to really make me want to want it to hold the statuette. So for me, I'm going to hold off for now. Didn't stop us in the short categories. We still it. There was at least somebody who'd they seen all of that. They yeah. should have said it uh, nearby. They wanted me to vote for it. <laughs> yeah, there's just 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 some background. This is not like we didn't have time to go do it. If one of these movies isn't available for us to watch in Georgia. Yeah. One of them just became available on Thursday. Yeah. Like, the other one was in theaters for a week, and then Black Panther came and took every screen that every independent movie theater had, because that's how they pay for movies like The Insult to show right. up, is they air Black Panther. Oh. Uh, I've seen two of my votes for the square. Out of those two. Over on Body Insult. Yes. Okay. Chris? I vote for On Body and Soul. It's 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 it's, it's weird and it's niche and it's uh, I don't know. Maybe I still have a crush on that type of woman, just emotionally unavailable. <laughs> well, I'm not ready to vote. I'm voting for a fantastic woman, just because okay. it seems seems like I'd like it more than the square. And just to put me in the in the position, <laughs> you um, can vote for one of the other two, and this category can actually be dead to me. <laughs> I'm just so frustrated that I couldn't see three of these. We watched... Fuck it. I'm going to go Loveless. <laughs> yes. We watched, we watched 55 of 59 Academy Award nominated movies. Three of the four in one category. Yeah. Yeah, it feels weird to pick one, honestly. Yeah. I, I would be fine yeah, I just don't throwing feel, a lighter on this trash can fire. I don't feel comfortable calling the winner only having seen one in like a quarter and a bunch of them not being available. So We didn't have this problem last year, but... We're a lot more dedicated, I guess. Yeah, and, and you know, if if I don't know, the way I see it is, if if people want the big podcasts out there, you know, who have literally tens of listeners like us, yes, <laughs> to vote for your movie, make it available. So this send is, us screeners. So this is this is a political vote. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll I vote for faces places. Send us screeners this year. I will yeah. write in a vote for faces places. All right. So was that the French entry? I wonder. I wonder if documentaries. I know that they do get nominated for best foreign. I don't know, but I wonder what the entry for France for France was. It was not Faces Places. I don't think there was another French movie that didn't make the cut. L two. L dude. L electric boogaloo. There. Moving on. All right. So next, we're going to go into some techies. <laughs> so, so the movie that actually won that was. The, the insult, right? This is the one that we didn't vote for. Yeah, yeah. we're at least mad at it. Uh, next one, we're blacked it out on my spreadsheet. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. whole row. <laughs> next one, we're going to do some techies, and we're going to do the the fun job of trying to differentiate sound editing and sound mixing. Mm. So first, sound editing, and I'm going to read from the category that sound editing is the creation of sound effects such as foley. So keep that in mind. Such as what? Like Foley. doing Foley work, it's creating sounds that like. weren't actually there. Yeah. <laughs> Coconuts. That's what he did. He was a guy. <laughs> so sound editing uh, nominees are uh, Baby Driver, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Dunkirk, Shape of Water, and Star Wars: The Last Jedi. So how is that different <laughs> from sound mixing? <laughs> it's the same nominees, but we're going to do <laughs> editing first. Unless you guys are just running uh, your winners together, we could knock. I voted differently. I, tr- okay. I try my best 
to do it based on their definitions, and then I feel like every year at the ceremony, I'm surprised by how they went. But. Mm-hmm. Huh, so, Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing first? Editing. Editing. So, sound creation. Yeah, I'll, my verb, I'll go first. My, my vote's for Dunkirk. My vote is for Dunkirk in this category. My vote is also for Dunkirk. Cool, I'm going to vote Blade Runner. This was, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. I guess I'll spoil some future votes, but uh, this is... Blade Runner was uh, my runner-up, and it's one of the weakest categories for Blade Runner for me this year. Um, yeah, I actually put... Uh, yeah, Dunkirk. I guess it was just the... I, I really liked a lot of the the sound effects when they're when he's in the plane and the the firing of the bullets and whatnot at the other uh, mm-hmm. fighters. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. If the sound's not good at Dunkirk, it's not a good movie, I don't think. Right. That was kind of where I... Film. Sound is a big part of that. Sound movie. you kind of feel in your chest in that movie too. Mm-hmm. What about Blade Runner? I don't know. I just I, th- I think it sounds great. They 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 make a large dystopian city come to life with like the groaning of the old machines meeting the new. Um, yeah. With how sterile the police environment is, even like down to the sound. Yeah. Um, the the fight scenes felt like. Physical, in a way that I think movies, you know, the the punching a T bone steak kind of trope, like there there was there was none of that like connecting noise. It was it was all visceral, right? Like the, especially like the the first scene with with uh, Bautista, like him slamming his head against the wall, like like pulling like the maggots out of the pot and like slamming it on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the sound that that revolver makes. It's all just so in universe, and I don't want to say uh, it. It feels it. It, it puts me there in in a way that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, dystopian movies can feel cold or distant, and like they don't have any resemblance to uh, physicality at all. I think it's probably my clear number two here. It does a great job doing that. It was an easy number two for me. And then uh, I had Star Wars third. Um, just for ports. Love ports. <laughs> um, and then the other two, I actually just like... I was trying to think of what the editing was in Baby Driver. Baby Driver has great sound. But I think it's more the mixing that's awesome in, in Baby Driver. The editing, I was just like, I don't know, cars? Uh, like tires? Yeah. And I guess that's, that's probably the Foley aspect of it. Yeah. In the ADR. I mean, the... The guns. Right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, you guys want to go into sound mixing? Yeah, so we went with Dunkirk. Yeah. Yeah, I blame runner number two for what it's worth. Uh, mixing. Yeah, sound mixing. So this is, uh, I'm going from the Wikipedia. It's the finest or most euphonic sound mixing or recording. <laughs> and euphonic meaning the connection between sound sequences and meaning. So all that to breakdown, I guess it's just mixing all the different recorded sounds together to a whatever. <laughs> this is what Hacksaw won last year. But we thought it was going to win editing last year. Yeah, because cause the old joke is that war movies win editing. Yeah. And musicals a lot of time win mixing. Yeah. So I'm going to pick the one that's a war movie and a musical. Because <laughs> they clear front runner for me and Baby Driver here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was it was uh, in the mix for me. It was too. I, I'm going Blade Runner. The sound, like I said, the overall sound in Blade Runner was amazing to me. And like 
the the scene that stands out the most uh, phonically was uh, when he and uh, Decker are fighting in the old casino, and you get the holograms that are coming in and out, mm-hmm. and the electricity keeps coming, turning on yeah. and off, and you get those sounds where it just fills the room suddenly, and then it cuts out, and it's it's really cool the way all of that's balanced and everything in the movie. So twenty. Blade Runner 2049 gets my vote here. As much as I would have liked to... I, I feel like this is one of the two categories where Baby Driver really had a has, you know, a good shot to earn my vote. Um, I'm, I'm not going there. I can jump in. I'm Baby Driver. Nice. It's kind of the, the main... Uh, the main point of Baby Driver is that it's all mixed together and it all kind of flows together and, you know... The definition of the word euphonic, which I just read for some reason, it's like, you know, you got the bullets and the sound and the action, but also the character, and it all, I think it uh, blends really well together. And like you're saying, TJ, like an earbud falls out, you know, it stops and comes back in, and everything's in lockstep, which I think is a great mix of everything kind of really coming together. I want Blade Runner to win everything, but I want Baby Driver to win something. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 And... I know this kind of merges between what I think will win, but it's also just a, a personal preference. Like, Baby Driver is not going to win film editing. Like, I love the editing in it, but it's not going to win it. Yeah. Um, it has a shot to win one of these sound awards, and so I would like it to win one of them. Uh, I, it, it can split with Blade Runner anyway, and if this is where it does it in my mind, that's fine. Baby Driver, yeah. So, 3-1. Nice. Baby Driver... My baby it was my number two. Sure. So, best visual effects is next. So, visual effects is defined as. Now, I figure we pretty much understand what visual effects are. Uh, nominees for best visual effects: Blade Runner twenty forty nine, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume two, uh, Kong Skull Island, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, and War for the Planet of the Apes. There's one movie that blew me away, and that did something that I didn't think. Did something that I didn't remember seeing visual effects wise this year, um, and it was Blade Runner for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll go Blade Runner too. Uh, it's uh, for me. It was the it was a clear one, and then it was the only tough yes. part was like how how would I rank the other four? Right, it was tough, and for me, Blade Runner was an easy number one. The scene with uh, his AI program and the prostitute so is cool. incredibly. Uh, inventive in a visual way. Yeah, I'm I'm a slam dunking Blade Runner too. It, it was incredible. Um, the stuff with Joy is just uh, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. But like you're talking the uh, the Elvis scene, just like the cutting back and forth. I think some of that is actual practical light effects, and some of it's like enhanced. And it's I can't really tell the difference. And it's like one of the coolest action sequences I've ever seen. Yeah, is that? Yeah, I mean one of the most unique ones I've ever seen. Yeah. The, I was just talking to Chris Friday night about it, but uh, the prostitute scene with the AI uh, could have been so shitty and yeah. so cheesy. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't anywhere close to that. It was fantastic. Chris, what's your pick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Blade Runner. Yeah. Our first uh, sweep. Nice. nice. We're just doing all sorts of unprecedented things today. <laughs> <laughs> what would you have? Uh, what would you? In a, in a, if Blade Runner got pushed to next year, let's say, 
Uh, what would your vote have gone to? So, I think mine would have been more for the Planet of the Apes, just because none, the other three didn't stand out enough to me. Mine was Star Wars. Star Wars was so visually striking. Yeah. I, think, I think that's the best part of the new Star Wars movie, is just how how beautiful everything is. I can see that. Like, it's also so deliberate and framed. I mean, it's, it's a Ryan Johnson movie. It's not a Star Wars movie. Right, 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 right. And my, my ignorance here was shown. I've only seen three of these. I probably would have gone... I only uh, also saw Guardians and Kong. I probably would have gone Guardians. Guardians was initially it's, my number two. It's, it's the most flashy, also. Yeah. It was my, my last police pick. I mean, they all have good visual effects, because you don't get dominated for visual effects. Yeah, so you good visual effects. I, I moved, like yesterday, I moved War from Planet of the Apes from fifth to second. So I clearly know... <laughs> Anyway. This is also one of those weird runs where, like, if this is most visual effects, then Guardians 2 clearly wins, because <laughs> there is nothing in that movie that wasn't a soundstage. Right. <laughs> yeah. We all seen the video of just, like, them acting on soundstages and green screens. The, like, yes. 10 minute units. It's so, so funny. funny. Yeah. It's so, so good. There's, there's, there's a clip going around of Jason Momoa as Aquaman. He keeps, like, messing up his, like, <laughs> trident twirl. And just like it's improv, he's doing like kung fu because they just keep rolling because it costs nothing because it's just a green background. Right. <laughs> uh, what's next, David? Uh, next, we're gonna do kind of the classier technical categories. Classier. Uh, we're gonna do. Uh, I'm just gonna pull it up here just to get a nice level base for this. We're gonna do best uh, production design, and just a little note that is. It recognizes achievement in art direction in the film. Um, so taking that for what you will. However you define art direction, I guess. This is a really hard list for me to rank uh, beyond... Let me do a, the categories first. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I went off on a little tangent and got lost in my phone. <laughs> uh, the nominees are Blade Runner 2049, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Dunkirk... Darkest Hour and Shape of Water. Now you have the floor. Oh, I was just going to say that, I mean, it, I did not really know how to rank a few of these, but I, my vote goes to Blade Runner 2049. Uh, again, I think world building is a big, big part of making a successful Blade Runner movie. It's what made the first one so successful, and it's why this one worked too. I think that the, that you know, all the different settings all work really, really well. And for me, I think that's that goes to the art design and the production design. Yeah, I'll jump in and say I'm also a Blade Runner 2049. Kind of jumping off what Chris was saying earlier is the the worlds felt so visceral, mm-hmm. and there were so many different worlds that there were there. Like the ruined Las Vegas was so yes. cool, and I think uh, physical and visceral and felt is just as like the. I mean, the little pyramid thing where Jared Leto is, like, doing soliloquies all day. Yeah. It's still, like, a physical <laughs> space that I think is, like, interesting. Yeah. And as is, like, the uh, Neo-LA, you know, where they're at. And I think they just do a, a great job making you feel there. And the, even those, like, interiors where it's, uh, like, where uh, where the girl creates memories mm-hmm. and whatnot. That's a, that's a memorable little yeah, glass box true. that she's in. Really cool. Uh, my vote's for Beauty and the Beast. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a really tough category. Um, some great stuff here. Really kind of, other than like Dunkirk and Darkest Hour, really kind of sp- being lumped in the same. Uh, kind of spanning the fantasy contemporary, 
you know, with with all like four of these groups, um, it's 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 tough to compare them, and I don't think I have enough technical knowledge, and I will vote for the one where, you know, I just thought the movie was amazing, so I'm Blade Runner. Uh, it was really good in Blade Runner, and I honestly think it was really good in all five of these movies. Yeah, um, including Beauty and the Beast, which I think kind of sucked, but the production design was great. I thought, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of this goes. Uh, it was my number one. It's my vote, but a lot of it I think is due to the director. Uh, but the way that he shot out of water into water uh, in Shape of Water, I thought really was really impressive that. It, Instead of shooting in water, it made it seem like a different world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really enjoyed that. And then just is this where that comes in? Is this category where you reward him for that? I don't know. No, but it, but it, but in world building, yeah, it it aids toward that. Yeah, I mean, any choice the director makes is going to influence everything else, right? I mean, so, shape was my number two here. Um, yeah, but it's it's uh, it was just really good, and the the way the the from that first scene too where. You know, everything suspended in the water. It was just yeah, gorgeous, I thought. But it was really, really good on Blade Runner. I had a really hard time. This is one of the hardest categories for me. Yeah. It's, honestly, even on Beauty and the Beast, like the my least favorite of these movies, production design was incredible in it. Yeah, it was gorgeous. The town was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, but as soon as anyone started talking or acting, yes. it was like, <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was funny. We just watched Metropolis for Talk of Fame and Shape of Water, like inside the government facility, and Blade Runner are the most Metropolis inspired. Clearly, oh yeah, for sure. <clears throat> okay, so Blady, Blady Boy takes it, and uh, we go into our next highbrow tech category, which is going to be costume design. So this is pretty self-explanatory. Nominees here are Beauty and the Beast. Um, Darkest Hour, Phantom Thread, Shape of Water, and Victoria and Abdul showing up for the first time. <laughs> so I did not see Victoria and Abdul, but put it third because I was able to find some pictures <laughs> of costumes from it. And uh, I, 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 my vote though goes to uh, my vote goes to Phantom Thread. Um, I didn't love. Love, love the costume design in any of these movies. But I picked that one because it seemed as good as the others, and it was a. The costumes were more like important to the movie, I thought. So. Yeah, I hate. You hate to be the douchebag who's like, New York is its own character in it. But the (laughs) costumes kind of are. And the costumes serve narrative purpose. You know, the construction of the costume at the very beginning is like part of this romance and then it becomes part of some subterfuge and it goes back and forth and you know the details matter to the actual materials of the dresses and uh, you know it's just really interesting how even how uh, Reynolds Woodcock dresses himself as that progresses throughout the movie and how um, Alma is dressed yeah and maybe it's for me maybe it's also that I'm just I don't know. I'm, I, I'm to the point where it's hard for me to still be impressed by accurate, you know, costumes for period pieces. Just because. Well, you've got a lot to pick from. They've been doing them for years, and they did them this year, and they're still good at it. And I don't. Uh, nothing really is like jumps out to me as like, ooh, neat. That looked that looked interesting. 
I, I, I've made the mistake you're making about it being important to the plot by picking the dressmaker to win best costume because mm-hmm. it didn't. Uh, <laughs> and I imagine that it is important to that movie that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brent, I, I, I also appreciate yours because last year, I think maybe my protest vote was La La Land winning costume design and you guys were like, no, I really love the costumes. I was like, I think it's ridiculous. Um, but it's something else. But this year we do have, like, Beauty and the Beast takes place in, what, the 1500s? Darkest Hour is 60 years ago, Fan Thread, 40 years ago, Shape Water, 60 years ago, Victoria and Abdul, 100 years ago. Like, there's no contemporary here. Right. So that, like, making old clothes look old is like, okay, well, cool. I can start with, that's a wash. <laughs> yeah. Because everyone did that. Um, I don't know. I did, I did like the costumes of Victoria and Abdul. And yeah, they were good. Yeah. I saw it, too. They, like... You know, they go from the the rough spun. I'm not voting for it. Uh, they, <laughs> just, just they did go from the, the the like the rough spun Indian clothes to these like ornate uh, garb that they're only supposed to wear for special ceremonies, but they've got nothing else at the palace yeah. because Indians hadn't been to the palace yet. Um, so those are those. That, that's it's it's my number two. Um, I'm I'm gonna vote for Beauty and the Beast here though. Nice. Uh, Worthy. For, for me, it's about contrast and difficulty when. The two things that I consider are kind of moot for me, and doing the like villager garb, the you know the the, the casual dresses, and then all the, the fancy um, like high French fashion. And I think it's it's fifteen or sixteen hundreds. It's just cool. Yeah, um, I'm voting fan thread mainly because they had to devise. They had to make dresses halfway, and then that be a costume in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to make hundreds of couture gowns for all these people to wear at these parties, which is just like handmade and crazy and like sheer volume, kind of like what you were saying. Yeah, was really impressive. Would that have been Cass's vote? Uh, yeah, probably. I feel like I'm she knows sure. so much. I would just like having, yeah. having someone who knows so much about that. Just so they, oh. Tell me what to vote for. She actually sews messages into DJ's clothes. (laughs) Into DJ's hats. Always cursed. Pizza time. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, fan thread, though. It was was pretty easy for me, like I said, just because they, having to, I don't know, do that is ridiculous. That makes sense. This this and the next category are also the two that I'm most, like, ignorant of. Like, yeah. David's like, well, at a weird turn of events, next is best actor. I <laughs> <laughs> you felt that way, buddy. But uh, next uh, category I'm going to do makeup and hair. Is that what you were expecting? Yeah. I just saw you write it down. David, what okay. did you vote for here? Phantom uh, Thread. Oh, Phantom Thread. Yeah, for costume design. Okay. Um, so category makeup and hair styling. Uh, nominees are only three. Darkest Hour, Victorian Abdul, and Wonder. I voted Wonder. Um, the, the acting through Jacob Tremblay's face it kind of reminded me a lot of what David said last year about a band called Oof. Um but he still had emotion in Wonder I think me and Chris are the only ones who've seen it but yeah. uh, um, he was able you were able to see that through his severely disfigured face um, you can see when he was upset crying pouting when he was being a kid it still translated more and I feel like I didn't see a lot of that in the darkest hour honestly I feel like this part of his face like, not his nose and his mouth never moved. <laughs> yeah, the jowls didn't shake at all. <laughs> um, and Victoria and Abdul, like, I think it's straight up just old school makeup. 
Yeah, I don't know what else it was. Yeah, I'm, they made the Indian guy look pretty sick. <laughs> <At some point>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm one wonders my vote. Yeah, I'm a wonder vote also. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't really notice it in Victoria Abdul enough to call it out as an achievement. It'll probably win. Cause I don't, I, I like Suicide Squad won last year. They're just that that guild and the voters do what they want with this, and just like you know, fucking God bless them. Uh, but I, I did really like the prosthesis in, in Wonder, and thought that yeah. you know maybe it was behind the strength of Tremblay being such a terrific actor right. at such a young age. But uh, the, the the makeup effects for that were really good. I, I, I'll just not to complain about the category, but I, I also. Almost think that Victorian Abdul is nominated just for hairstyling. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. Like you know, the argument that if you don't notice makeup, that means it's really good. But you know, it's the, like you've got Darkest Hour and Wonder, and probably would have been uh, the Kevin Spacey thing because it would have been your old man makeup uh, nominee yeah. this year. Um, I probably would have voted for Itania if it was here. Honestly. Yeah. Having to recreate all the 90s hair and makeup. Yeah. Same for costume with, with her. Yeah. But, but yeah. Trump, Trumpley got my vote. I'm going to vote for Darkest Hour. Uh, simply for the, you know, it wasn't my favorite movie, but at a certain point in that movie, I forgot Gary Oldman was Gary Oldman and just went with it. That's that's one of two things working together. Well, it's hundreds of things, but we'll simplify <laughs> the two things. It's Gary Oldman's performance, and it's the makeup and hairstyle that they gave him. So, I'll reward it here. I did a surprising amount of research on this category specifically, uh, just because I wanted. I have not seen two of the movies, but uh, I wanted to. I wanted to have a good feel for what they what they actually did. And after reading about all three processes, I'm least impressed with Victoria and Abdul here. It's just, mm-hmm. it just like Chris said, it just sounds like old school hair and makeup. And stuff. Um, but, you know, with Wonder, they had to create the eye, like the, like little, um, I think it was almost like a mechanical aspect to his his eye socket. Uh-huh. And, and he, they had to have, uh, you know, contacts that made his pupils bigger and whatnot, and it was, uh, a lot of work went into that, and then also Darkest Hour was just, um, they said their early problems were that Gary Oldman has a completely different, uh, like, shaped face than Winston Churchill, so it was about, they had to approach it from two different angles of trying to make Winston Churchill, trying to adjust his face to look more like Gary Oldman, and also trying to adjust <laughs> Gary Oldman's face to look more, and try to, like, merge them in a way. That's fun. And, uh, they used, uh, also, just like this phrase, the use of European baby hair was used <laughs> in creating Winston Churchill to get the right texture. It's horrifying. I don't know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what of, that is. What kind of baby? Um, Spanish, ice, doesn't matter, whatever. <laughs> Any of them. As long as they're European. I don't want mammal, but... <laughs> um, I, yeah, so, unfortunately, I'm deadlocking us. I'm going Darkest Hour. They both seem really impressive to me. Uh, but kind of for the same reasons, and that just like it, it, it took an instantly recognizable actor and made just lost him in that in the hair and makeup. I think to the most recognizable. I don't know. I still yeah. saw Gary Oldman. So, yeah, I did. I was not impressed at all. So here's here's my problem with with both of these is I don't think there's anything new in either of these movies. No. Yeah. Like yeah. disfigurement and deformed kids. 
uh, we've seen that in movies. It's been the central point in a movie that has won best makeup before. Uh-huh. Same with making someone look like an old man. We've seen that win before. I don't know how to break it because I'm not super impressed with either. Well, when you, also when when you say that like you saw, you saw Gary Oldman in it, I, I can see that sure, but. Compare it to like The Crown with John Lithgow as Winston Churchill, and I think John, that looks way more like John Lithgow. Yeah. Than Darkest Hour looks like Gary Oldman. Yes. Yeah. I've, yes. So I was just David said that though. I was just a retort to what David said. Yeah. When he said I forgot it was Gary Oldman, I was saying I didn't. It wasn't a attack on the movie. It was just in response to what David said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people who don't have hair and makeup look more like themselves. Yes, <laughs> generally that is the case. And the, uh, the, the well, I don't know, I can't remember how good the Brian Cox makeup looked in Churchill, the forgotten Churchill movie from last year. <laughs> or Michael Gambon when he did it, or blah, blah, blah when he did it. Yeah, yeah. 7,500 people. Yeah, I'm with you though, like, old, old man makeup and uh, deformed makeup has just been... It was the most. It was the most impressive deformed kid makeup I've ever seen. It was better than than things I've, I've seen. Before. It, it looked more Elephant Man than I thought it was going to. Um, I because I, I thought it was just going to be like a, a big facial scar or like a cleft palate or something. But it's 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 a severe alteration. Yeah. Um, and it moved like I, it it. It moved. I don't know how yeah. to explain other than that being that simple. It, it felt like it was a kid who had that problem to me. All right, cool. I'll, 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 I'm good with Wonder when in here. I was, I was about to say, like, I can also flip. I don't really care. Yeah. Don't cave. Make him cave first. <laughs> Sit in silence. Sit in silence. Let's both cave. <laughs> that happened last time. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We both, I think it was the two of us who flipped. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so next category I'm going to do is... I'm going to go into musical categories. Okay. Knock knock these guys out. Uh, First, I'm going to do best original song. Um, So nominees here are... um, The Mystery of Love, Sufjan Stevens, and uh, Call Me By Your Name. We got uh, Remember Me by uh, a good bit of people. Various artists. yeah, Yeah, written by the people who did Let It Go, the Frozen guys, in Coco. We got um, uh, This Is Me by the La La Land lyricists and Greatest Showman. We have uh, Stand Up For Something, written by Diane Warren and Common, performed by Andrew Day, etc. in Marshall. And then we have uh, Mighty River. Mighty River. I only wrote down the movies. Mighty River, uh, written by Mary J. J. Blige and I think Raphael Sadiq, 90s R&B guy, uh, in Mudbound. I, uh, this may be the quickest, also. Uh, I don't know how you guys are voting, but... <laughs> well, first off, I just have a... I, I naturally want to cross two of these off, because they're not in the mood. They're in the credits. And that's uh, the Marshall song and Mighty River, also. And also, Mighty River is kind of a jarring end to Mudbound, because it just kind of takes you out of that... Um, the, the being in that movie, the uh, when it starts at the end... So uh, that's a good point. I really don't like it when movies do that. When they have uh, songs that aren't in the time period of the movie that just crank out as soon as the credits start rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I limited my choices to ones that actually factored into the movies. Now, I haven't seen The Greatest Showman, but I actually went to lengths to try to learn about characters, the character that sings it, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I found the scene where they did sing it. Um, didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, my vote's for Remember Me, because I think it's a good song, and it's it's used so effectively in the movie. Uh, the song Remember Me... Uh, this is me is also the most important scene in that movie. Like it's, it's. I think that the, the the turning point. Yeah. You know, Hugh Jackman goes around and recruits all these quote unquote freaks to join his circus, and you know keeps you know running to the next big attraction that he can recruit for this, and then gets enamored by this singer, follows her off, abandons the circus, and then has this high society party where he won't let his fre- won't let his freaks in, and so then they barge in singing this song. So I think it's it's it's. As important to its movie as Remember Me is important to Coco. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Sue John Stevens song. I think it, it's it's a great like part of the the score. Um, you know that it's that it's incorporated into the movie isn't what people evaluate for this. Um, but I also really like Remember Me because of how it's used, different styles um, and versions of it. That were really, really good, and the way they present the first time they present it to you, it's in a very like, eh, yeah. Way. It's weird that the, the song has its arc in yeah. the movie. Yeah, you hear four different versions of it, and they're all like so dramatic. Would you officially vote in Coco? Yeah, I just wa- I wanted to make the case for this is yeah, me yeah. because I think that it is it is a good song in its own right, and it is important for the movie. It's a one A one B for me. I really wanted David to say it. Remember me is like its own character. <laughs> I'll say uh, my I had like a top three. I didn't see Grey Show when I tried to look it up, and I understand that that's probably my number three. The Sufjan song I liked. Actually, you have a problem that I think I like Visions of Gideon better. And I like that scene in yes, the movie better. Yes, I, I think if that were in here, this would have a better challenge for me. But uh, remember me, uh, it was the most affecting for me. That, uh, you know, the song almost bring emotions to my face. Yeah, and if it's supposed to be just about the song in isolation, then, I don't know, maybe a different song can win a Grammy or whatever. But for me, the mm-hmm. Oscars is about how it fits into the movie. Like, I'm sure the two that are credit songs... Are good songs, but yeah, I mean you, you, that—that's a fine stance to take. But you have to understand that's not what the Oscars tell people to vote on. Yeah, so you are telling them to fuck their rules off vote on, which yeah, is fine. Rogue oh, voter on right. this one, yeah, and I mean the Oscars don't uh, watch you while you vote. People bring sure whatever but, priority they want to into this. Yeah, I mean I can vote in alphabetical order if I want to, but that is not. You know, they have instructions. Yeah, is what all my point is. What's the instruction for a song? The best song. The, the, the best song that is, as long as it starts with the opening, with the at the beginning of the ending credits. In which case, it's for me. It's probably maybe "Mystery of Love" is maybe the best song of the five. But I don't know. Um, but I'm with you on this. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> arguing super hard here because uh, yeah, it's definitely remember me. The way that that it uh, the arc, the way David talked about that was was pretty accurate. I think "Remember Me" is a, a clear choice here. Um, and it's a really fucking good song, but I'm not sure if any of these are the best songs in their movies. <laughs> That's that remember me might thing. be the best original song in that movie, right? Yeah, because I think my favorite 
moment in the movie, musical moment, is is uh, in Poco Loco. Yeah. And then there's also the like the the old uh, Juanita song. Yeah, the 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 dirty song. But I think that's a old standard. I think I, my my favorite song is the one that his uh, his aunt sings. Or his, uh, oh, yeah, uh, really yeah. when she's like the, kind of accidentally forced on stage. Yeah. But I, I also just don't know enough to know if any of those other ones are yeah, originals. I know that Juanita and Umpoca Loco are not originals. Right. Cool. Remember me with the sweep? Yep. Remember me with the sweep. Even though all signs point to this is me just <laughs> crushing this category. I think remember me's a heavy favorite. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, all right, best original score. Uh, this one you have to say it is related to. You have to see in the it movie. You can vote for it. <laughs> you have to you have to be able to hum it coming out of the theater. Uh, nominees here are uh, Hans Zimmer for Dunkirk. We got uh, Johnny Greenwood, Phantom Thread. We got uh, Alexandre Desplat, Shape of Water. We have uh, John Williams again for Star Wars: The Last Jedi, and we have uh, Carter Burwell for Three Billboards. My vote, the one that was seen most memorable to me and I thought was used really well in the film, was uh, Dunkirk. And it's, it is my vote. That is also my vote. I vote for Dunkirk. Um, there was a sense of urgency and like tempo that was laced into the score mm-hmm. that was, you know, you said if it doesn't have uh, good sound, it's not a good movie. I think that extends the score also. Yeah. I, uh, I just saw Phantom Thread last night, so it's fresh in my mind, and I was like, Dunkirk with the bullet, until uh, I did love that the score to Phantom Thread. It's really I'm good. S- still going to go Dunkirk, though. You know, it's one of the best things about the movie for me. And hearing, I heard uh, Hans Zimmer in an interview for it, it's like, they he they artificially ratchet up tension, well, not artificially, they do it on purpose, but they ratchet <laughs> up tension by doing this uh, songwriting trick, by uh, doing a sequence of notes where to the ear you think it keeps like escalating but it's like a series of rise and fall that picks right back up but to the ear it feels like it's like getting uh, higher notes are getting higher and higher and higher but they they like go higher and level up and I think it's it's just the most purposefully written for the uh, you know purposefully written score for the movie here it's definitely that yeah um uh, my vote is for Phantom Thread. Um, thought it was the best of the five, and also it's, it's it doubles up as a making up for not letting Johnny Greenwood win for There Will Be Blood too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because because he used part of his own former composition. Honestly, didn't know much about the score for Three Billboards in Star Wars, even though I'd seen those movies. I was like, I don't really remember them. So I remember, I, I remember liking the Three Billboards score a lot when I first saw it, and then I rewatched the movie last night. And I, after I got done, I was like, I didn't notice the score at all in that movie. So maybe. there's like some noodly guitar stuff here and there. Yeah, but yeah, it's not that. I like Carter Burwell as a composer. Shape but. of Water was my runner-up. Uh, yeah, I really like the score in Shape of Water. That Phantom Thread too. Shape of Water. Shape of Water scores really. And then good. Dunkirk was three for me. Yeah, uh, I I don't know how you. I, I just I can't. I don't know how to position Star Wars. Yeah, here I know, right? Because it's it's this, it was it was <laughs> the same thing with like sound mixing, sound editing, and visual effects. Because it's like this is the tenth Star Wars movie, right? Right? Yeah. With everything ten. No. Yeah. Six, seven, eight. No, ninth. Ninth. Tenth this, will be solo. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, this is the ninth. Like it's. I, I don't understand. Like it, it's it's got to be 
like Return of the King. It's got to be the last Star Wars movie for it to like just crush awards. Then be like, all right, well, we're giving a bunch of awards to all of Star Wars today. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's it's in, it's like the same thing for you know I didn't see it, but War for the Planet of the Apes for visual effects. It's like it's the same amazing visual effects. Right. So you go to like, what is the new thing? I I, ne- I didn't hear anyone talking about like the new melody for Star Wars that they created yeah. for these characters. Yeah. Yeah. So Dunkirk takes score with a I'm going to say a mild protest vote, like a like a <laughs> I might sign an online petition protest. <laughs> But I don't want to actually get out of my house for this. <laughs> were, you, were you bothered by the Dunkirk score? Did, did it get in the way to you? I thought it was... No, it was good. I thought it was... It, it's the only score I've ever thought of as being, like, quote-unquote, on the nose. Like, Okay, yeah, I can see that. Where it's just... I don't know. If that makes sense. It seems so deliberate that it stands out. Yes. Yeah. And again, I liked it, I liked it more than... Uh, ultimately, than Three Billboards or Star Wars score. And I love Star Wars movies, so, you know. Um, and I really like Dunkirk, too. It was just, I don't know. Just, just, yeah. I wanted to get your, your reason for baby protest. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll go uh, uh, two last technical categories before I think we're going to split into another, uh, you know, talking about the, the, the biggest boys. But first, we're going to do uh, cinematography. A uh, interesting one where we we try to remember what's cinematography, what's <laughs> editing, what's directing. Yeah, uh, this is no, always this, this. I got a hold of what cinematography is. I wasn't exhaling. I was exhaling at a like thought. These are all thought so good. Yeah, it's a really good, really good showing this year. Uh, we have uh, Roger Deakins for um, cinematographer for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. We have Hoyt Van Hoytema for Dunkirk. Yes. Uh, Bruno Dalbanel, Darkest Hour, uh, Rachel Morrison for Mudbound, Almost Escaped Me, and Dan Lotson for Shape of Water. Somebody besides me go first, because I'm, I'm, I've changed it mid-podcast already once. I've been in the habit of going first, although... I want the woman to win. <laughs> that would be cool. If it was the first, first nominated and winner... You deserve it. Every one of these five deserves it. Yeah. Cinematography is excellent in all these. Darkest Hour surprised me. I think the best part of Darkest Hour isn't Gary Oldman, it's the cinematography. I love cinematography Darkest Hour. Yeah, yeah well, the, the small room cinematography, like the single bulb hanging. I think they do some the fun stuff The use of the natural light coming in yeah. is so good in that movie. Um, and the naturally artificial, like a single bulb. Right. Or like, just like a floodlight or something. Yeah, yeah their, their situation room, that... like. The cinematography is so important to those scenes being stressful. Yeah. And then, like, the tight shots in on Winnie when he's, like, being faced with this dissenter in the room that yeah. he can't and even get around. Before he gives a radio address, when the red light comes on, like, I know that's something that I knew was coming. I knew. And then it yeah. came on, and I was like, I didn't think it was going to look like that. Yeah. Like, it, it, even that surprised me. It was kind of in your face. Well, I think I need to rewatch Darkest Hour with an eye towards the cinematography <laughs> because for me, it yeah, because you saw it first and you were like, I don't understand why I got that nominee. And Olin, then I saw it. Oldman was, like, was too wow. busy chewing every part that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah, that was probably it's <laughs> crunching light bulbs. So it ranked last for me. Um, also, Shape of Water ranked uh, outside the my top tier for me. Me too, and it's still and it's good. really good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. The other three though, like, were noticeably great for me. Um, I have switched the order of these several times, but ultimately I go with Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, 
I flip flopped Dunkirk and, and Mudbound several times. Mudbound, the cinematography was amazing. Really good. It's so good. It was like a. Did you watch that yesterday? It was like its own character in the movie. Yes. <laughs> but. No, you said it's his own character. Oh, yeah, the cinematography. Like those scenes where, uh, where she. Um, where. Uh, Carrie Mulligan's character is talking about life on the farm, and then it cuts away, and you see the shots of you see the shot from the side of the dead rat on the porch, and then you see the shot zoomed in on the dead possum, when she's just talking about how the the farm is just a, a place of death, mm-hmm. and then you just have all Violence, that. Yeah. You also never really see things growing all that much in Mudbound either. Like it's a farm, and I don't know what they grow because ah. it's just. Everything's just the thing that I realized. Cinematography was really good. Was when uh, Jason Mitchell was at the house uh, at the store. I'm sorry, the general store, and Aaron Trout was telling him to walk out the back door or whatever. And that place looked more comforting than the farm. Yeah, <laughs> it was like bright at least. Yeah, there was the cinematography really captured yeah. the bleakness of that life. Yeah. Also, like I do want to want to call attention and give credit to um, full on war scenes. In yeah. my bad, really well done. They're well done. Yeah. They're, they're well done. Fraction of the budget. shocked me when I yeah. saw them. For the, I was like, "What is this?" The yeah, like, this like, oh shit, they're going for it. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Uh, All good. So, what was your vote, Blade Runner? Blade Runner. I think I've had every one in first and fifth in the past week. I've had uh, I've had two go for number one. So, Mudbound's my three. Uh, Blade Runner and Dunkirk have been kind of flip flopping. It's like, I love what they did in Dunkirk, and I love what they did in Blade Runner. Both to, like, using cinematography to different ends for me. Blade Runner creating this world that you're in awe of, and Dunkirk for, like, showing you this, like, showing you scale, and uh, showing you visual tension, and just, man, the uh, the landing of, like, the, the last flight of that airplane, just that, like, little short film in itself. Like, so that, that might be the best use of cinematography, like, Period yeah. over any five minute stretch, yeah. Um, but but I, I, <laughs> I almost want to split my votes off, but I think I'd probably go Blade Runner if I had to pick. Yeah, I'm wondering. I'm even doubting my own vote at this point. Like I'm wondering, if, like, oh, am I just? Is this just like a Roger Deakins like like career vote that I'm? It's that hard not, for that not to influence too, because like he's true, an incredible cinematographer, Coen Brothers, all kinds of stuff. Sorry, cut you off. No, no, that's, that's it. Yeah, it was... Chris? I'm like, I'm very close to saying Darkest Hour. <laughs> it, was, it was really good. Because I, I really liked it. Um, I also... Get it. I mean, I... Come on. I want to pass for now. Okay. Uh, you asshole! I want to use my one pass. This was like my uh, every category. I think this may be my toughest. I had a tough one to score too, just because I love Phantom Thread score. I also just love that that, that score is like there's ten composers. Pick any five of those ten, and they're going to get nominated for best score every year. Right? There's just like there's just a a a master class group of composers who are always the five. And cinematography is kind of similar. Which is why, like, people are like, oh, it's been a boys' club. We can't believe a woman's never been nominated. It's like, well, it's been the same 20 people. Like, every year, the same, like, 20, 25 people. All right, I'll vote. Are you doing research? No. Oh. I'm changing <laughs> my list. 
actively. I've been doing it all podcasts on this one category. I'm going to vet that down. Nice. Buddy B. <laughs> that makes me feel good. Because I do want to vote for Dark's Hour. Cool. It's Interesting. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm cheating because I know how you guys are voting. I changed my vote. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Dunkirk. It's a Dunkirk. Um, I did wish Dunkirk would get some representation here. But I mean, I had a number one when I sat down here today. But it's awarded elsewhere, and we might talk about it a little later, too. Some of us. <laughs> All right. Blade Runner okay. takes it. Blade Runner takes it. And uh, last uh, technical, technical category. And also um, wonder, before you get... I yeah. also wonder if, like, so many of my Blade Runner votes are just also, like, stems from bitterness over Blade Runner not being nominated for Best Picture. Well, if, like, Denis Villeneuve was in here for director, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, then maybe I ease up and I don't uh, yeah, and I give all these other aspects. I can't give him credit elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Just see what I do. Uh, so last technical category, uh, editing. Uh, this is a tough one, too. Um, nominees are Baby Driver, Dunkirk, um, I, Tanya, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Edmund Bazaar. I cheated out at last last time, so I'll go first this time. For me, it was two in the top. It was Baby Driver or Dunkirk. Same. And same. Uh, both because of their clever use of editing. Uh, you know, I, Tanya, it was fantastic. Um, I love the, you know, Super 8 style, you know, interview. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go with Dunkirk on this one. I think, I think this is where Dunkirk excels um, in film editing as storytelling. You know, they say that... that, that a story is written three times when it's written, when it's being filmed, and then when it's being edited. And I think it Dunkirk benefits the most from that uh, in telling its three different stories all kind of laced together in an interesting way. Um, yeah, I think most of us probably have that same like top three. Top two of Baby Driver, Dunkirk, a clear third, and I, Tanya. Um, yeah, the only thing that made me want to vote Baby Driver was that Dunkirk... Uh, actually lost me a little bit and I had to rewind it and start over uh, on a couple of scenes I'm not know I don't know if that was a me problem or an editing problem but I know that uh, it didn't happen in Baby Driver ever yeah <laughs> um, so I don't have voting for Baby Driver it, it, it's funny that those are like the top two because Dunkirk is edited to make a very long event seem very compact and tight and Baby Driver is edited to make this very small <laughs> like very fast race, like racing scene, seems super long. Right. I'll go ahead and go. Uh, I'm. I've, I've flipped this today already. Um, I'm comfortable that Baby Driver at least won for something, but um, my my heart was to begin with was with Dunkirk. What you're saying, the three stories, the three different chronological spectrums, and uh, you know we talked about it on our, our top ten list. You know, it was my number two movie of the entire year, and that's the part I thought found most impressive. I think it's the most due to the editing. So. Yeah, I don't think Dunkirk works without the way it's edited. So I, yeah, it, it gets my vote here. Baby Drivers two, my tiny three, for me, um, for the same reasons. But I'm voting Dunkirk. Sure. And with that, we'll take a little break. Then continue to more stuff. Are we going to split the podcast? Yeah, that's what I was yeah. wondering. Feel I, free to listen to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> I just pulled it up. Uh, what time are we at right now? An hour and 35. 
Okay, last year's podcast clocked in at 2.11, and we could get it in as one with low-quality audio. We may want to break it into two. So yeah, yes. I would definitely break it into two. I thought I was playing. Sorry. Yeah, record an ending. Well, I just looked it up just to see okay. what we did last time. I was thinking of something else. So you want to do an ending, and then we'll stretch our legs? Sure. So that ends part one of uh, Who Should Win. Tune in for part two later in the week. Um, I want to say... Uh, oh, yeah. I have a whole thing. <laughs> Like, you wrote a new one. Yeah, I'm unprepared. That is the one. Do we thing need that on this? It's just a part one. You should, if you want to hear what we say at the end of the podcast, you got to listen to part two. <laughs> Why'd you go Ed Kemper with it? Because <laughs> I, I want to fuck your skull <laughs> so through your ear. So this was Talky Talk podcast for the media by us. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Connect with us on Twitter, Gmail, our Facebook groups, and our Facebook page. Uh, links are in the show notes for the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And things you can do to help us would be to subscribe to the podcast and please give us a rating. Let's say thanks to the Willow Walkers for providing intro music. Hey. Thanks for Boo Rifa for providing the outro music. And thanks to you guys for part one. See you in 15 seconds for part two. <laughs> Sweet. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. <laughs> <laughs>